welcome to We Dig Metal Evolution, a special Letter Roll Maxi series discussing Sam Dunn's Metal Evolution documentary series, hosted by Nate Wilcox with Eugene S. Robinson of the art punk band Oxbow and entertainment lawyer Alexi Alt. Let It Roll is the insanely ambitious musical history podcast. We've covered the early history of rock and roll, country music in the 20th century, the rise of hip-hop, disco, and electronic dance music, and now heavy metal. Stay tuned for our histories of Broadway, opera, punk rock, jazz, blues, and gospel. Follow the Let It Roll podcast on Twitter at Let It Rollcast, and check out our website at LetItRollPodcast.com. Let It Roll is a Pantheon podcast, and you can listen to more great podcasts at www.pantheonpodcasts.com. Today, Nate, Eugene, and Alexi discuss power metal, a genre with roots in the 1970s that became the dominant form of metal in Europe in the 1990s. Email us at letterrollpodcast at gmail.com. Pop in those earbuds and enjoy. Time to let it roll. I'm your host, Nate Wilcox, and we're back again with Alexi Old and Eugene S. Robinson to continue our discussion of Sam Dunn's Metal Evolution series that aired on VH1 a few years back. The tenth episode focuses on power metal, a genre that Dunn traces back to Ronnie James Dio and Rainbow, but many believe started with Halloween and Manowar in the 80s before exploding in popularity in Europe in the late 1990s. Fellas, power metal, had you heard of it? Anybody? Anybody? Alexi? Yes, Dragon yes. Force. Man, this was tough. This was tough, man. It was tougher than tough than tough. I don't know. I, I, I thought the last one was tough, but for some reason, this to me, I, what he what Dunn dropped the ball on is that he really needed to be talking about why this didn't succeed or wasn't as big of a deal in America as it was in in Europe, much like Eurovision much like this thing called Disco Polo. These are purely European phenomena that haven't made their way back here in any way, shape, or form. But, yeah, I mean, I guess now with the singing shows, with the competitions, but this was tough, man. Outside of accepting the ones that rose above the froth, and, you know, connecting it to Dio is one way to get us interested because I'm an obsessive Dio fan. But this is this is some weird concatenation of you know, totalitarianism and, and urge for it. <laughs> and, this is and, how and, the Germans do it. We have the synchronized and, guitar and, and Yeah, we, I love this band. I just love them, love them, love them. Oh, when the Fräuleins are at the there side in the festivals. No, 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 but I mean, you know. The day after cuties, though, I have to say of all of the music forms, when they had certain things in the crowd, like, you know, there's a certain time when they had glam metal and things were popping, you know, I, I got to tip my hat off to them is the fact that, you know, they they tried to have some kind of, you know, cuties in the crowd and on stage, that one girl on the stage with the tambourine. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. you mean, oh, so you talk about women in the band. Band in the crowd. Yeah. yeah, and and the one woman on stage he's referring to was just apparently a dancer, from what I could tell. She didn't have a mic or anything, and and was just sort of there, you know, like the waitress at a. She had a tambourine. Medieval... Come on, man! Uh, like, like, Stop like, downplaying her skills. Linda McCartney. I I had been completely oblivious to this genre, although I had heard the term power metal, but apparently misapplied to that whole 
era from Judas Priest, Scorpions, Rainbow, all but the way up see, to they, Anvil. They're, know, try, they're, try, they're trying to associate themselves with people who, in other words, the category is weaker without the, the roughshod yeah, inclusions. Yeah. I'm not including Dio there. I'm not including Judas Priest here. Dunn did that to make it significant, you know. I, I may not even include except there, you know. Okay, Halloween, yeah. And he's trying to fit true metal in there with, with uh, Man of War. Man of War, the guy, Joey DeMaio didn't even want to be interviewed for this section, right? So it's not like, it, it's a very... T- it's like a European version of new metal somehow. I don't, I don't know how to well, describe it. Well, it's almost it. the opposite of new metal. To me, it seems like this was what I'm was talking popular about it, uh, I'm talking in lieu of new metal. It's culty, it's cult, it's culty kind of non-musical attraction. It, it didn't really, I mean, look, it's a great music for a singer. I wish, I wish our fans, <laughs> so I could just stand there and go, yeah, you sing it. <laughs> I could... <laughs> I could well, franchise about, you, I mean, yeah. it's not too late to put out a Schlager album and, and just go full on sing along. The beer halls, you know, are rowdy and fun. I don't know. I think that the, the, my understanding of the term was that it was sort of a retroactively applied term because you needed something to describe metal between say 77 and 83 pre speed metal, but post Judas priest or Judas priest and everything until Metallica, because that was just called heavy metal. I mean, that was the era when heavy metal was heavy metal and the bands adopted the term like Sabbath, deep purple, all those guys, that was a new term. They didn't necessarily like it. Mm. Judas Priest took the term on as a point of pride all the way up through Iron Maiden, you know, bands were like, what are you? We're a metal band. So this, you know, in 1982, Iron Maiden was just heavy metal. But after you have thrash, you have death metal and you've got black metal and you've got stoner metal and all this stuff you need a way to categorize what kind of metal is this. And I think that's kind of where power yeah, metal but, got retroactively. And I think it's a perfectly good term. You know, yeah, it's describe. perfectly good. But that, but how are you going to talk about Yngwie Malmsteen without talking about Alcatraz, right? Like like he's just been doing this Paganini thing the whole time without talking. I mean, he was he got famous because of Alcatraz, not the other we'll way. Get right? We'll get to Yngwie. We'll get to Yngwie. Okay. All right. so, so we'll come to, we'll come to Yngwie. Yeah. Um, and the other group that they left out of this was Europe because yes, as, as much as like listening to the, some of these newer bands, I had, I had much more fun listening to this than the new metal stuff. New metal. Mm. I find <laughs> with all the whispering voices and all the talk about childhood trauma and everything, like, I don't you know. know if you're not in order that it's not much fun, but this stuff is just ridiculous. And so I, I hooted and hollered all the way through it. And, and uh, you know, to varying degrees. Some of the stuff I thought was pretty good. And I was also kind of impressed by how much of it is post, not just post speed metal, but I mean, some of the stuff was as fast as black metal. And a lot of the stuff that I had liked so much about black metal, I'm realizing, oh, wow, power metal bands were doing it at the same time or just a little bit later, all the classical influences, they just had good production values and, you know, weren't quite as evil. Um, but did, some of the stuff did, was just totally ridiculous, you know, which strange, was fun. Did, did, it seem, did it seem strange to you that they spent a sizable portion of, of the show talking about what people were wearing? I think that points to a weakness in the music. I don't know. I think that's part of the whole thing. I mean, this, this uh, appears no, no, to it's be not. something that uh, got popular uh, uh, at these yeah. festivals, yeah. which seem to be big help. And it's like a cross between a German traditional beer garden and yeah. a Renaissance time. Yeah, yeah, it's it's yeah. the Renaissance Fair aspect is. I will, know, I, will sell, I will I will 
I will sell you many vests, and I defy you to get them home and play them on your stereo, your cassette player, or your CD player. These are non-musical appurtenances that it's just, we're not talking about music anymore, right? It's significant. And Dio himself appears, and he just, just like Dio. Like, now, now you know, he just got a t-shirt on, hanging out, being Dio. Well, he wasn't on stage, you know? I mean... No, he had him on stage with just the white shirt, just, but, you know, dress shirt. Could have gotten yeah, yeah. that shirt. But, I mean, Rob Halford went full tilt. Yes. Spikes, the the whole bit. And that, you know, except definitely did that. That was a, that was all thing to me. It was more a matter of, they should have focused more on the Scorpions and Judas priest earlier in the series that, that the way they pigeoned, you know, like we just dropped that first UK heavy metal episode. And to me, squeezing Judas Priest into that didn't fit. Like Judas Priest yeah. to me is a whole different era from Sabbath, yeah. Deep Purple, Led yeah. Zeppelin, etc. And yeah. I'm glad they did finally get to the Scorpions because the Scorpions are, are a big deal. And this whole, I mean, this show was huge. I mean, like Blind Guardian sold and Hammerfall sold gazillions of records. So even if it is just a European thing, it's still so a pretty big thing. Peppers. Yeah, so the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I mean, oh. you know, I, I'm not... I'm not the self-indulgence. I'm not here. I'm not here to judge. You guys are here to judge. I'm just okay. trying to understand what happened. You know, you're Switzerland. You're Switzerland. Yeah, if something's popular, I'm like, hmm, what's what's the deal here? You know, but not above be selling that uh, the get taken and hoarding that uh, Holocaust uh, gold, huh? That's right. Yeah, <laughs> Nazi the Nazi gold. <laughs> I wish somebody was giving me Nazi gold to listen to power metal albums, but I'm doing it for free. I'm even paying uh, to to do it with Spotify. You're not paying. You're not paying. You know, I mean, it's a reasonable monthly subscription, right? You said but paying close to pain. <laughs> pain. <laughs> <laughs> but let's let's get back to trying to summarize the show. So Sam Dunn is basically scratching his head and like, what is this stuff? Like, he's about our age. This is new to him. Uh, and and wasn't his scene, and he's just kind of baffled by what's going on. I I would be very curious as to know why was this given an episode. I assume because it was popular in the tw- in the two thousands, and the show was made around twenty eleven or so. And you gotta so justify was... the trips. <laughs> yeah, you got you got. How do I get to the, the Alps? And and I did. I did find it sort of compelling that it was another reaction to grunge, that grunge made yep. metal passe. Actually, metal made metal passe. Yes. You know, I mean, just it just got so big in the 80s and so lame. And you had bands like Europe and just ad nauseum, you know, and and people just got tired of, of it. And grunge, you know, kind of cleared the decks. But like we talked about alt metal stuff, you know, like uh, – your dreaded red hot chili peppers and Jane's addiction and living color and all that actually ended up being more of an influence on metal uh, on the future metal, at least through new metal. But in Europe, it was a different branch of metal that that came back. And so this was a reaction of just people being tired of the whole Kurt Cobain Poe faced. Everything's got to be so serious, no fun costumes, no sing-alongs. And then, you know, Hammerfall comes along and we've got costumes, we've got sing-alongs, we've got symphonic guitar players, you know, we've got solos. Like, it kind of reminded me of hip-hop, like this certain era in which the whole idea was the stage show and how the people had the flashy clothes and the choreographed dance moves. And then it got 
to a point where like I'm not dancing, I'm just looking mean on stage and gangsters don't like, dance. Right. And, and there's all and the hearkening back to that era. So I mean I I did find it interesting to see, like as much as it seemed like it was filler and grasping, it was hmm. interesting to see what happens when there is a certain genre of music that's passe, but the people haven't passed it you know the fact that they're still holding on to it like hey wait a second i i kind of miss this kind of stuff or i never gave it up i'm going to keep on doing it i'm going to keep on listening to it we're actually going to not instead of having pure tribute bands we're going to continue to create and create and create and create and create and then you have this whole world again the whole dungeons and dragons that's why just watching the episode it was thoroughly entertaining because there's so many and i saw with my wife she's like oh my god these Dorks, oh, can you? Imagine? I said, "Well, what happened if I met you?" I said, "Honey, there's a. I'd like to introduce you to a special kind of music I listen to." Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. right? There, so, yeah, exactly. <laughs> there'd be there'd be no honey. <laughs> I also think that the millennial generation had no beef with geeks. Like geek geekery became cool in that generation. They were raised on video games. They were raised on Dungeons and Dragons and there was no shame in it. They were just like, this is cool and it's fun and we're into it and this is what we do. And so these kids, you know, coming up with the metal and way into the fantasy aspect. And I mean, some of these bands have like five part concept albums about some emerald sword and they're basically writing a whole fantasy novel except as a concept album. I'm sorry, know? I couldn't so, hear you because it's a dog. Sorry, there's not a lot I can do with it. <laughs> idiot but um you know it's to me it's like it's like a lot of the stuff like um the twee rock that came out around the same time like bell and sebastian and the oh my god that's something of course you hate it because you're macho and tough and everything but i've tried i tried i tried to listen I mean, what were some of the big songs from those people? That's that's yeah, yeah. Name the hit Uh, for Bell Sebastian. The Magnetic Field 69 Love Songs is the one that gets like they never had his singles and any Uh, of that kind of stuff. Magnetic Field is different. Sinister. I mean, there's all these bands are different. Like, I talked, I talked to Gerard Cosloy, interviewed him, and I said, Now that I got you, explain Bell and Sebastian to me. He goes, I, I, I can't. <laughs> and, and he I, I dig Bell and Sebastian. I'm a I'm an unabashed oh, Bell and Sebastian boy. fan, and it's totally oh, wimpy boy, and fey oh, and twee and the whole. It bit, goes it goes, it goes along with the, roller, make, with the roller blades that you have at home, right? The little brother, the big brother dynamic is coming on hard in this I episode, I man. man. But, but my point was that those bands weren't doing anything Stuck. technically or formally innovative, but what they were doing was these Sucking. elaborate. Uh, whatever i mean if you're not into it you're not into it but they were doing these elaborate you know concept albums and Mm. big arranged pieces and going back into stuff that had been pioneered in the early 70s and then kind of dropped and then they went back to all the art rock stuff and it was like hmm, a concept album about states Mm. like stuff stevens did you know you know he announces he's going to do a 50 albums concept series for each state he does two states but whatever but i think that power metal is kind of in that same way where they're not formally innovating you know musically everything they're doing is like combinations of speed metal and uh you know symphonic metal and and prog rock but they're doing these elaborate you know I mean, a five-part concept album about the emerald sword that 
that's pretty ambitious. The fact that there's an audience for it, you know, like when I was playing Dungeons and Dragons, people like Eugene would come along and dunk your head in the toilet if you made the mistake <laughs> of bringing your Dungeons and Dragons up to school. I mean, it was it was it was known to be a shameful thing and that's something you should be embarrassed about. And the millennials didn't seem to have that. Like they seem to just embrace well, it, well, well, you know, well, video well, games. Well, well, hold on, hold on. And, that's unfair right. characterization. I used to live in a trailer with guys who played Dungeons and Dragons the entire weekend. And I, every time I walked through, I would go, they go, Eugene, you want to play? I go, excuse me. I'm going to go out and have some sex now. Good day, sir. And I would leave that. <laughs> well, so are we. We're going to have a sex campaign. There, there's some female orcs <laughs> and they're so hot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Man. Yeah, well, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to get into a sideline about the Society for Creative Anachronism, but they used to meet at the tennis courts um, by my house, and apparently, it's a whole wife swapping scene based on who wins the sword fights. So, yeah, yes, yes, it's uh, yeah, the sword uh, fight. <laughs> <laughs> They're seriously out there with, with armor. Yes, and, I, and I bet they are serious out there wielding swords. Playing swords, and and uh, we used to get high and watch. <laughs> hours it was definitely the highlight of every tuesday evening to watch those dorks uh, oh i had no i had some friends who were into that man he's it was rough it was it was it became like the dog brothers like they were actually really trying to kill each other so i was like all right, yeah cool. yeah yeah i mean and you know and it got to where it was clearly fairly big dudes who could handle yep. a sword i mean they caught us yep. laughing at him and they were like you know inviting us to play we're like oh no thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're you know, wise but, enough to but, get fall for that but back to the show. So, so he introduces the concept of have a of power metal. He's scratching his head as to what is this stuff. People are telling him, you know, it's it's heavy, it's European, it's sing-alongs, big emphasis on melody, uh, big inf- emphasis on virtuosity, symphonic, uh, cl- heavy classical influences, and heavy Dungeons and Dragons influence. Then he takes it back and focuses again on Dio, which I think needed to be done. Dio and Rainbow. Um, Again, I, like I said earlier, they, they should have had a whole episode from like 75 to 80 or 82 or whatever that covered that period. Another mm-hmm. thing about Dio is Dio's a guy who made what? Six classic albums, except that two or three of them were with Rainbow, which was Richie Blackmore's Rainbow. So Rainbow's mm-hmm. already a spinoff of Deep Purple. Right. And, and Dio's introduced there to the broader public then he does two albums with black sabbath after ozzy is fired classic albums totally revised the band um it's different it's not original black sabbath it's dio black sabbath and it's awesome then he does at least two really good albums on his own so his band is just yeah holy diver classic album but that eroded his brand value because he didn't have one band that's the band with all six, you know, all of his masterworks in one place. So I, I'm glad to see him getting some shine. And uh, I don't know. I always found that the the Dio lyrics just utterly ridiculous and hilarious. And, oh no 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 no! Uh, well, tell us your whole theory about the serious side of of Dio because well, to me it was just fun. I mean, it was, I was scared to. Inter- I was scheduled to, to interview Dio and this came out of, I was turned on to Dio by Henry Rollins um, who, you know, uh, but I had ignored his stuff in, in rainbow and Sabbath. Right. I paid attention to stuff before new singer. I hear new, I wasn't interested. Rollins goes, we've been listening to this all. So haven't been able, gave me Holy Diver. And it was the, my last summer at school. And I spent the entire summer taking LSD 
and listening to Holy Diver. There was nothing else I was listening to. So I saw all kinds of different levels and shadings of meanings. And, um, you know, I, I had figured that he was deep into the occult and tracked him down to do an interview. Um, and he did not disappoint. I was on the way to the interview and um, I had a pager. <laughs> this is how old it was, a pager. Not even said, please call. And I was at the building where I was supposed to interview him. And they were like, do not go into the building. He, he apparently had some sort of paranoid flip out. And like, I, you know, you can't, they're after him. They're out to get him. So he was a real driven, riven, strange cat. And then as it turns out, years later, the day he died, um, it, we ended up being like Eskimo brothers in a really weird way. It was just, uh, Dio, you have to listen to his lyrics to understand it's not just it's only been an hour since they locked her in the tower. It's not just fantasy stuff, which he kind of tried to minimize it. If you read, you know, we're talking about Thelemic stuff. We're talking about Sathonic, you know, Crowley-esque, deep Satanic stuff that was all throughout his lyrics, which he firmly believed in. But, you know, he just figured out, much like uh, Russell Simmons once said about a Slick Rick record, he goes, it's not like there are lots of songs about anal sex on the record. And he laughed. And of course... There's a song about anal sex on the record. Well, you know, I mean, you know, Dio, uh, Dio, they asked him about the imagery, you know, and, the, the, and he was, oh, no, 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 this is, this is a very Christian record. Well, of course, you know, Satan is a very Christian concept. doesn't mean it wasn't satanic. So I, I didn't listen to Dio and laugh at all. I saw that there was a lot of stuff happening there. And, you know, seen him live multiple times, and that's been confirmed by everything I saw live, which I thought it was a disservice to take that dead man, that, gr- that great dead man, and put him in the same thing with, you know, the, the sing along Germans. But they were clearly influenced by him. I mean, he was one of their favorites, and you don't get to pick who's influenced by you. You know, well, you I mean, know you what? Put it you out know there what? And people pick Red up Hot on Chili it. Pepper, and... Red Hot Chili Peppers might say that they were influenced by George Clinton, but you know, if I'm watching a George Clinton documentary, I don't really want to see anything about the, the Chili Peppers. Yeah, right? showing your age again. Showing your age. Close, <laughs> close mind. Close out for the new. Because if you get into Reddit, look look at Reddit. People are way into this stuff. I mean, there is a big audience for it. They take it seriously. They heavily discuss it. You know, they're evaluating the different albums i mean this is a legit scene i don't think you get to just dismiss it how many how, how many documentary. how many how many people who on that reddit page are from america maybe i mean it seems I to me know. like a distinct it seems to me distinctly like a distinctly european phenomenon i just i don't know does that make it not legit I mean, not at all, not at all, but it explains, yeah, it explains why I don't understand it, you know? No, I mean, there's stuff that comes out of America that nobody understands, right? I mean, I mean Europeans, of which I'm married to one, is always just asking me about stuff that Americans do, and she just can't figure it out, right? There's, like, what is it with you guys and guns? My father's been here since he was 19. He said, I still don't understand Americans. Yeah. I mean, I don't understand Americans, and you know, I am one. It's it's yeah. being self-hating is totally different than being an outsider coming in. You're from it's Texas. Still that doesn't count. I know. I mean, it's just like you know, it's just like watching the Oliver Stone hearings and and going away. This guy's a crook, and then going to school the next day, and everybody's got an Oliver Stone t-shirt or not Oliver Stone, Oliver North. You know, and yeah. it's just like saluting the flag. I mean, it's just like. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally not. So, anyway. Let's let's get back on track. So, so then they talk about Judas Priest and Rob Halford because again, continuing the 
the the legacy of Dio and even more operatic singing. Uh, they also talk about the twin guitars of Judas Priest, which I don't believe they mentioned the first time they talked about Judas Priest and, and uh, you know, Glenn Tipton and KK Downing totally deserve the shine. Although they totally leave out Queen, like yeah. no Freddie Mercury, no Rob Halford. It's that simple. Like Freddie yeah. Mercury absolutely was a legit, I mean, he did opera singing towards the end of his life. He was a legit opera caliber singer. Queen was massively classically influenced, you know, and very heavy for their time. And also, no Thin Lizzy, no yep. Judas Priest. Thin Lizzy absolutely pioneered that harmonized twin guitar thing, took the Allman Brothers style and applied it to heavy metal or heavy rock. Yeah. Thin Lizzy's kind of iffy as far as being heavy metal, but they were definitely they definitely got over with the heavy rock crowd uh, mm. in, in a big way. And, and the Judas Priest twin guitar thing, I mean, you can track it. When did the Thin Lizzy albums come out and when did Judas Priest start doing that stuff? It's like, it's, it's totally clear. I'm not trying to minimize Judas Priest because I way prefer them to Iron Maiden. I think they are the definitive metal band, you know, I mean, Black Sabbath's like the er metal band, but then Judas Priest makes it, heavy metal you know like yep. blacks have this more heavy so i'm not trying to diss Judas Priest. i'm just saying they left some stuff out then they come back to iron maiden um which t again totally fair i think this stuff is clearly influenced by iron maiden once again you got heavy melody influence you know virtuosic playing um and the fantasy style the big epics again um although you know, Iron Maiden's epics tended to be more historical or whatever, and not so much the Dungeons and Dragons fantasy stuff. Um, then they finally get to the Scorpions, which I understand why the Scorpions were hard to shoehorn into this stuff because they had a really bizarre career. Like, yeah. did you guys ever pay much attention to the Scorpions? Because, like, yes. they, they essentially had like three or four different periods. You know, they they have this early period with Michael Schenker on lead guitar. Then Virgin they have kill. this middle period with Uli John Roth because UFO poached Michael Schenker. And UFO doesn't even get a mention in this series, which was a pretty serious, you know, British hard rock band in the later 70s. Then they get Uli John Roth, who is this total Jimi Hendrix acolyte. And he's great. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you listen to some of those old Scorpion albums, he'll be quoting Hendrix licks. Like, you're mad mm -hmm. at Rage of the Machine for ripping off a Bad Brains melody. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uli John Roth was taking just entire Hendrix uh, melodies. Well, Hendrix, Hendrix was dead, Hendrix. so I don't mind. The Bad Bad Brains are still alive, and so they could use a check <laughs> check from uh, Rage Against the Machine, you know. I mean, you know. So if Bad Brains dies and there's a new group called Rad Grains, you're like, oh, that's different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. I mean, yeah. vegan, uh, vegan uh, punk and right, uh, reggae. Right. <laughs> yeah, but – you know, there's this whole period when they were huge in Europe and trying to get over in the States and they did all these pretty solid hard rock out, you know, hard rock, heavy metal albums. Mm. Then Uli John Roth quits. They try to bring back Michael Schenker. They bring in Matthias Jabs because Schenker's too drug addict up to play anymore. Then they have their Van Halen era where they're MTV stars and they're clearly ripping off Van Halen and Def Leppard and you know, Rocky like a hurricane. They have some classic MTV era hits, um, but anyway, it's it's hard to. But you can't. But you out. can't separate. You can't separate them from 1989, buddy. Oh, the classic, you know, song about the wall falling down. But that, that yeah, has he, nothing to do with heavy metal. I mean, you know, here we stand strictly. as here we stand as brothers. 
That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the kind of thing that just made me turn up the Tokyo tapes and just block out, you know, the 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 the, the this 1980 Scorpions never happened. I'm about the 70s Scorpions. And the 70s Scorpions, the other fun thing about them was they had multiple albums, album covers that were censored because they had like yeah. naked underage girls and shit like that yeah, it's like man. it's very spinal tap esque i mean just yeah. totally tasteless utterly whipping wh- whipping up. boys whipping boys drummer was from augsburg germany i mean he was a, he's an afro-german or whatever they call biracial people from uh, from germany and he was the one who actually had a copy of the pre-censored uh virgin killer and i just i remember looking at it in like 1982 and just going the fuck is wrong with germans <laughs> you know i mean i don't know if you've seen the cover but it's like they had to go through a whole bunch of people before it hit the marketplace and nobody said like yeah and that was an american record company that that greenlighted yeah, that i mean yeah. you know it's worse than the blind faith album cover it's worse than yeah. houses of the holy i mean it is yeah. the most offensive rock record cover of all time i would say i mean it was I, it was I, yeah yeah I've incredibly seen more, yeah yeah, I mean, like you cannot sell it in a store these days. It would be you could go to jail for having that photo, you know, on your computer. It's it's there like, was a there was a, a band in Slovenia, and I I blocked out the name. I was friends with the people in the band, and they were super excited, and they sent me their record, and it was really pro, really well done, high quality photos, and um, because I pick it up from the back, <laughs> and then. You know, I uh, turn over to the front and it's a woman um, who's been stabbed in the vagina with a knife and is bleeding. It's mostly a white cover. So you just see her ass with a knife sticking out of it and blood trailing. And I was like, the fuck are you guys thinking? Is this a photograph (laughs) or a drawing? It's a photograph, man. A photograph. I go, why don't, and they said, well, what did you think of the record? And I go, we got to talk about the 800 pound fucking gorilla. What the fuck are you doing with the cover? The music is great. Would you, well, you know, the guitar player thought, I go, <laughs> well, we just thought you could, maybe we could tour with you. Guys. Nah, this is our conversation is stopping now. Would you, I, can't, I can't even, I'm not, oh, you're into censorship. I'm not censoring anything. This is ridiculous. It's so bad. But that's how I felt when I saw a virgin killer. It's, you know, it's yeah. extremely offensive uh, by any measure. But uh, it, that's a side, a side note. I mean, the Scorpions were massively influential, and they really yeah. proved that a German band could make it big in America. Yes. Which had, you know, a huge, enormous influence. With a balding lead singer. Yes. Because that's, that's what bald. stood out to me is like, that guy's bald. <laughs> like, <laughs> what the fuck? There were more... I mean, you know, plenty of metal singers that were going bald. The guy from Maynard. Quiet Riot was Frank Oh yeah, Dubrow yeah, yeah, yes, 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 yes. Kevin Dubrow. Yes, he was yeah. infamous for his hairpiece like moving down his forehead. His name was Brow. He's um, trying to stay true to the name. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, but first um, time I saw a tool, it, Maynard still had hair, but it was like he looked like Frankenfooter from uh Rocky Horror Picture Show, but he, he got rid of it quickly, thankfully. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it's something that happens even to someone like myself. So, you know, I mean, mm. it happens, but but not everybody goes for the full Ben Franklin and, and grows it out anyway. But we'll continue. we got more power metal to talk about. We're going to talk about Accept 
and then get into Man of War and Halloween and then into Blind Guardian and the whole German revival. And I swear, Eugene, check out Blind Guardian. They're not that bad. I mean, they're no, they're I got hello. I've listened to Halloween and I'm well, Halloween knows. Like, I'm a Man of War fan. Yeah, and we'll talk about that next time because. Uh, and 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 also that's the era when they grow up with speed metal and they had to hang with Slayer and Metallica and all that stuff and that's when this stuff gets a lot heavier than Iron Maiden uh, and and Judas Priest because a lot of these fans totally laugh at Sam Dunn for trying to include Rainbow and the Scorpions and Judas Priest in this episode and we'll continue when we come back. And now, a word from our sponsors. continuing our discussion of power metal now we turn from the scorpions to accept the german band that took things even heavier than the scorpions i i like this i've always been a big fan of udo dirk schneider and i loved the way he summed up the band and that we were going to be heavier than the scorpions and we were and the other thing we did was synchronized guitar movements that to me, there's oh, a did tiny, bit, <laughs> tiny bit of a disservice to the Accept legacy. But Hammerfall picks up on it and says, you know, if you look at Hammerfall Live, you'll understand the Accept influence because of the synchronized guitar movements. But they didn't bring up the Shadows, the, uh, the British guitar band featuring Hank Marvin that backed up Cliff Richard in the days before the Beatles. They, too, did the synchronized guitar movements. Just sands the black leather. Listen, camo. Listen, you, as far as I know, when the Rolling Stones appeared on Saturday Night Live, and Mick Jagger started, yeah, started licking Ron Wood's face uh, on or about his nose and mouth, they never addressed that in the press. It never came up again. Like nobody ever said, "Hey, isn't it a little strange just licking the guy's face?" It, it, it just it just never came up. Oh, you know. Conversely, I think. This is some stuff you don't talk about. Talking about synchronized movements in heavy metal. I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you. You're not angry with him. You're not angry with him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Harry Shearer, man. But since that commenter, 
I'm trying to be more positive about this stuff. So, you know. Well, good. Thank you. Much appreciated. I mean, the thing with that is I don't think our opinions really matter. I don't, I don't view music criticism as particularly valid, except when people are talking about stuff they love because they love it, not because they got a big stack of CDs in the mail and they're trying to pick a winner. Uh, you know, so we're just trying to talk about the history here. And, and it's kind of an ugly history in parts, but except um and you said that i did it yeah you know but what they don't go into is except never made it in the states because of homophobia like that balls to the wall album which was basically the same album cover as the first motley crew album you know a dude's crotch and leather pants except it's called balls to the wall and the singer is just rob halford but two notches gayer on the on on the gay scale you know (laughs) I don't know if Udo's gay or not. I, I don't care, but I definitely think that people in the eighties in the States did. No, and no. I think that hurt except. And an interesting question is, do you think they were con they were consciously playing with gay identity issues or do you think that they were just mind mindless of it, right? Heedless of it. I don't see how you could be the thing. Well, I hold mean, on. If those, if those legs on the cover, and that crotch and the cover were Udo's legs and crotch. That's a, a totally different story than what was actually on the cover, which was some super buff dude. A little bit different. So you're saying if Udo had been more buff, he would have been more popular? No, no. I'm no. saying if Udo, buff or not, if Udo had been on the cover, much like Man of War, then it makes sense. This, this is not the same patina that you get with Man of War, because it's Man of War, right? You see what I'm saying? Mm. Halford is Halford. Man of War is Man of War. They hired a model for that cover. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I I was always sort of baffled by my meathead friends and their love of Judas Priest. Freddie Mercury got a little bit of pushback and Queen, although plenty of the meatheads liked him, but except would consistently get homophobic remarks from my goon friends. I mean, consistently. And I think it was the album cover and the song title. I mean, Balls to the Wall would always break out, you know, the 12-year-olds in my crew and giggles. So, you know, but well, for whatever it, reason. Uh, well, it, was like a, it was like about a cop thing, about getting arrested. I think the thing was Udo in choosing Camel. There are a couple of things. There wasn't him on the cover. If it was him on the cover, it would be kind of badass. It wasn't him on the cover. And he was dressed in Camel gear, which at that point, you got to remember, the only public reference you would have had to that would have been something village people-esque. So it's, it's very a couple of steps to you. And then, of course, cruising broke. And so these... <laughs> the <laughs> cruising didn't break very big. <laughs> oh, bro, cruising You're referring to the Al Pacino movie of the early 80s. Correct. Which yeah, yes, apparently yeah. you saw many times, but most people just let... Slide, great movie. You know. Actually, great. Well, there were, there were big protests in New York about the movie. People were outraged about it, so... Well, I think, you know, I think back in the day going to, you know, uh, when I saw the video back in the day, right? Because I think there are different levels. They did their levels in this shit. And what were you, like, eight? So what was it, 1983, right? Yeah. So I was 11. 11, okay. So I wasn't – my first introduction to a lot of stuff was either on the radio, somebody – at that age, the radio, somebody has a tape, you know, you borrow a tape or a music video, 
right? It's one of those threes. So for one of those threes, one of those three. So for accept, I saw the video first. And for me, in my homophobic mind back in the day, I wasn't looking at it as like, I, I wasn't picking, the thing that threw me off wasn't that, and again, it's from 11 year old, right? It wasn't homophobia, it was just that the lead singers just didn't seem to fit what my conception of a heavy metal or hard singer was. There was something that looked off about him in the sense that- like, he was short. No, just foreign. The, the, the camo and his hairstyle, it just, it didn't match. So again, as an 11 year old, in terms of, if there's a certain kind of, if I'm looking at musicians and I'm boxing them and putting them in categories, right? And like, who do I look at as like, wow, that guy's cool, right? Or, yeah. oh, that guy's scary, or that guy's this, right? So if I'm categorizing, he just looked weird and he just did not – I don't want to say foreign. My father was Jamaican, so it's not like I had a xenophobia. He just didn't look like – the guy from Scorpions, he looked, he looked old and balding. So I remember as a kid looking at guys yeah. like, man, that guy looks like he's bald, right? So as a kid, it was – he threw me off because he looked bald. The guy from Quiet Riot looked like he was balding, but the yeah. rest of their getup was consistent with my yeah, young mind's notion piece? of this is what a – like Jesus Peace. This is what, what – about Rob um, Halford? This then? is what uh, – uh, uh, Rob Halford – no, he, it was, he was balding, but his whole getup was consistent yeah. with this yeah. is a metal guy. This is a rock guy. The guy from Except – I didn't know where he came from. It looked weird. There was nobody. Was a stylistic failure. Right. Stylistic That's a failure. total stylistic failure. And again, I'm not talking about like as a metal head. I'm just talking about as an 11 year old. Yeah. You watch a video and you see something that either attracts you, scares you, turns you off, or confuses you. It confused me because, again, stylistically speaking, he didn't look like the members of his band. He wasn't dressed like them. He just stood out yeah. for all the wrong reasons and it wasn't homophobia it's just that he looked more like a gi joe character than yeah. he looked like a heavy metal guy so yeah, yeah. that's and it I, so I, the metalheads liked him i mean except was over with the real hardcore right but i'm saying as a non-hardcore because yeah. to a certain degree when yeah. you talk about motley Crue, you talk about all these other things like there's certain groups that for hardcores and and music critics like rub them one way or the other way no pun intended but as a total yeah. casual those individuals who you watch as a casual, especially as a kid, and resonate with you or your friends on a visceral level, right? There's some people that you watch and it's like, you're, they scare this. Like Motley Crue, for instance. You look at Motley Crue when I, because I was a church going guy, seeing all the pentagrams and shit, like I was like, what the fuck is, like, it seemed evil, right? When I yeah. saw Iron Maiden, <laughs> or when you hear Judas Priest, like Judas, right? It's like, oh my God. Yeah. Like the whole, Hotel California and someone saying, well, did you know that if you blow up the window, there's a demon in the corner window, right? Shit like that. So then when you have this yeah. guy that looks like he just walked off a yo Joe, like a G.I. Joe character, it's not – it's more of this confused like, who's this guy? And then you hear him talk and it's like, what, what country is he from? You know, just – and this is yeah, from yeah, a person yeah, who's well, into international stuff. Yeah. I mean I they think – Go ahead. I think I was I was 21 when the record came out, and the guy who gave me the record introduced me to a lot of cool heavy metal of that you know that that ilk. But when he gave me the accept record, there was a quiet moment where he goes, "I want you to listen to this." And I look at the cover. He hands it to me. I look at the cover. I go, "Cool." He goes, "I think you'll like it." And I was like, 
<laughs> I you was know, like, cool, cool. I'll listen to it, man. He goes, and your eyes met, was, and next thing you know, yeah, it was. Like, you, it was like very. You know, what's so cool about that cover fo- photo is, you know, if you want to, like, for instance, you know, if I take out my nutsack, right? Give me your hand. Give me your hand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Recruiting. Or if you feel better with it, you know, you take out your nutsack and I'll. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh-huh. But well, I, was, I, was willing, I, was, I was, I was, I was willing to listen to it. So, and I, and I like yeah. it. I like it. And it was it was kicking. I mean, you know, but then they didn't really have a follow up, and and they just never blew up. And I think you basically had one bite at the apple in the states. They didn't make it, and and they yeah. kind of fell back. And then the next band they go and talk to talk about is Halloween, which I think they should have talked about Ingve first because he historically came before Halloween. So that kind of threw me. But we'll stick with their model. Talk about Halloween, which is an obvious thing because it's the next German band it's definitely power metal the same sort of stuff it's got it's got the swords and sorcery dungeons and dragons lyrical theme but it's updated they were you know except influenced the thrash bands but halloween was influenced by the thrash bands, so they were faster and mm-hmm. and a little bit harder although at the time i remember like i loved all the thrash bands but there were bands like Grim Reaper or whatever that were kind of power metal that came along a little late. And it was like, this isn't making it. And it was my dorky friend who had the cassette. And Halloween was like controversial because it basically fit in with thrash, but it still had these cheesy metal stuff that we would, we would goof on Halloween pretty hard. Like, and you could start with, you could start with the name. It's, it's a pun. You know, I, I wouldn't recommend making a second language pun basically for your yeah. band name yeah because yeah. because yeah. yeah. they're going for hell and halloween but like my kid this week was like hello ween you know <laughs> out of the mouths of babes exactly <laughs> and so and that, i was like okay yeah you know that was a bit of a bad name but going back and listening to them in this context because i have not thought about halloween in 30 years I thought that was pretty solid stuff. Once you get over the, this is going to be yep. goofy. It's going to be Dungeons yep. and Dragons, you know, and, and the two, the Keeper albums. I mean, they went a whole hog with the concept albums and the, and, and, and the plots and everything. And clearly they laid some seed because all the bands we're going to be talking about the rest of this episode, with the exception of Ingve, are the descendants of Halloween and Man of War. Um, and I felt I, like they should have talked about, go ahead. I can't even I can't even countenance actually just talking about Ingve separate from what broke Ingve in my mind, which is a great Alcatraz. I just it's like you know I'm still I'm still yeah, Ingve and I mean oh you mean the guitar player for Alcatraz because it's like you know Graham Bonnet yeah, I just I love them so much that they were you know Ingve was a nice ad but I never followed them after I never followed Ingve after Alcatraz. See, because that's crazy. You're the only person I've ever known who was into Alcatraz. I was aware uh, of Alcatraz because I read Guitar Player Magazine and they were featured in Guitar Player Magazine like every month because of Ingve, yep. and they had ads in there. But I barely saw an Alcatraz. I, I remember seeing the Alcatraz bin empty in the record store. And then a friend of mine had a copy of the cassette and it was Graham Bonnet who was the replacement for Dio and Rainbow. That was a yep. singer. And he puts together yep. this band Alcatraz. I can't remember what label they were on, but it was like a semi-janky label. But he after he had Ingve. Yeah, yep. after he had Ingve, he replaced him with Steve Vai. 
So he was clearly yeah. going for that, you know, like I was in a band with Richie yeah. Blackmore. I'm going to be in a band with a hotshot guitar player. This is the formula. And so, yeah, so Ingve, that was Ingve's biggest exposure in the States was the band Alcatraz, which they don't mention at all. But Ingve was one of these guys to me that was just a joke among my circle of friends. Like we would just make, he was the epitome of the hair metal guy who plays too fast, who has no taste or sense or whatever. But then when I get to college and me and my punk rock friends are goofing on Ingve and my metalhead roommate was like, oh, shut up, assholes. Ingve has soul. And we're like, no, he doesn't. He just twiddly, twiddly, twiddly. And my roommate, who later became a really good friend, although initially we were like punk and metal, like oil and water or whatever, you know, he puts on an Ingve track and shut us up because it was undeniably some soulful playing. Yep. And so I didn't ever like dive into Ingve. But I was like, hmm, okay, you know, maybe I shouldn't talk about music I don't know well because, you know, it's got these hidden secrets. Which but I we did, should cover uh, the show, actually. Yes. <laughs> 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 but then there's two bits in the Ingve segment that I thought really got to the heart of Ingve. The first one was Sam Dunn, who's clearly put out because he's been chasing Ingve from castle to castle all over Europe. And 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 as yet another, you know, we were supposed to go to a castle, but he's not going to be at the castle, so we've got to meet him in the lobby of this hotel, blah, blah, blah. And he says, he's a bit of a legend. He kind of knows he's a legend. That's part of the problem. He's very aware of it, his legendness. So, um, yeah, his legendness. So Ingve is yeah. very aware of his legendness. And, you know, then they show him twiddly, twiddly, playing really fast. But I loved when I talked to his keyboard player, Jens Johansson, who's like, we, you know, we would often sit and get drunk and listening to Paganini, which was his favorite. And I would be like, ah, Paganini sucks. Bach is much better. Listen to this. And then he plays it. And Ingve would go, yeah, it is better. But Paganini's faster. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. you know, and why and I'm shocked, I didn't. And I'm, shocked they, I'm, I'm shocked they left the, the Florida hotel room freak out. Because uh, that was like he was doing Tom Petty shit in the hotel room in Florida. Got an argue with a girlfriend, punched the wall, broke his hand. It was almost the end for Ingrid, right? Do you remember this? Am I the only yep, one who yep. remembers this? I remember, yeah. I remember this. But I mean, I think it was, I think all they wanted to get across with Ingve was he was European, he was big in Europe, and he really went over the top with the classical stuff. Like they show him with an orchestra and the whole bit. And I always thought, that that was some sort of desecration of classical music until I got to know classical music a little better. Paganini was Ingve. I mean, yeah. dudes playing fast and loud was what classical music, a big chunk of what classical music was all about back in the day. You know, I mean, you don't even mm -hmm. have to go. You don't even. You don't even have to go back then. I know people who were first chair, second chair, and symphonies. They're out of their minds, man. Out of their minds. I'm not, worse than any rock guy I've ever hung out with. You know. I mean, and exactly. I mean, from every point of view. So, yeah, it's like what I I remember in college partying with some family friends of my ex wife, and one of them was a ballet dancer, and one of them was some kind of symphonic. I can't remember what he played, but these were goons. These were meathead yeah. goons. And I was just, yeah. what, you're a ballerina. And they nearly killed me for calling him a ballerina. And he was, and I quickly realized, whoa, ballerinas, dude, ballerinas are real big and strong. Like, yeah. You know? They got to be hoisting. <laughs> tell me. Yeah. Yeah. You don't, yeah. you don't pick on gymnasts and you don't pick on no. ballet dancers no. like that. No. That's a bad bet. No. So anyway, they, they cover it. 
Yeah. <laughs> they cover they cover Ingve, then they go back to Man of War. And to me, Man of War and Halloween should have been covered at the same time because they were contemporary. They were different, you know, but also similar. Like Man of War is not the same boat where they weren't quite thrash, but they could hang with the thrash bands. They were sold, you know, the same magazines, the thrash magazines would have Metallica, Slayer, Anthrax, and Halloween mm. and, and Man of War in there. But I think what it was was the whole cheesiness aspect. This Conan the Barbarian fetish they had always made them seem just clownish to me. And their music was more dramatic. Like the, the dude and the thing says, it's the drama of Rainbow and very Iron Maiden influence. So there, there, it was clearly going in a different direction, but I didn't have a word for it. I didn't know what power metal, there wasn't a thing called uh, power metal then, even though the music well, had been... Go ahead. Man of, Man of War, I remember, okay, you see, I don't know what your initial exposure was, but my, my initial exposure was, okay, they're from Queens, so right away as a New York guy, I'm paying attention, and then I see photos, and I'm, I start clowning them, and they follow that pretty quickly with, I mean, it's, that's the kind of thing where if you can step outside of irony, it like much like pornography, pornography is absolutely absent, a lot of irony, right? If you can just step out of irony and like, you know, you can laugh, but we're not joking. And for me, at that point where DeMaio, Joey DeMaio comes out and he starts, he starts using the liberal use of blood capsules on stage. I was like, I'm in. I mean, his crotch yeah. is bleed is bleeding on stage. <laughs> um, now, I don't know whether it's a blood capsule or he's really damaged himself to the extent that he's bleeding on stage or whatever. I mean, they're clearly... You can laugh, and he was big and muscular enough so that you were like, clearly the guy's hitting the weights. There, you know, there was Thor. I mean, you've seen the documentary on the guy Thor, yeah. who was, you know, but it, it's like my whole thing with joke bands. You know, Man of War were not a joke band; they were all in. No, like Dave Winfrey would do, but they, they were not a joke you, band. And they, yeah, and you, you could laugh at them at your own peril. You know, mm. like Dave Windorf's first band, yeah. Shrap, Shrapnel. You know. Um, they were they were kind of a joke band, but uh, this Man of War was not, and they didn't find no. it to be so. No, and the thing they don't mention though is that Ross, the boss, of the guitar player they're talking to, was a member of the Dictators, which was a big yes. punk, early punk band in New yeah. York before the Ramones. And yeah. for people who were there at the time, they're they've got this legendary status. For me, mm. who heard the Ramones for several years and heard about the Dictators before we finally got our hands on the Dictators record. And then it sounded to me like Hotel California or something compared to the Ramones. I mean, it just did not deliver and I was super disappointed and it, you know, just didn't make any sense. Like what's the big deal about the dictators, but they were a big deal in the scene in CBGBs in New York before the Ramones, before the talking heads, before, you know, anybody except maybe television. And so that, I think that's worth a mention there that, that man of war had this, had this, um, you know, punk rock legit, connection then we get into kind of the they jump because they'd already talked about blind guardian and um fuck now i'm forgetting the, the name of that other they talked about blind guardian and hammerfall which were the two bands that broke mm -hmm. power metal big blind guardians more like the the band that carried the torch through the 90s through the early 90s and then hammerfall is the one that suddenly got big in the late 90s but then they they i guess they've already covered them we talked about them in the first segment now they come to these like last more recent bands with dragon force which 
to me was just a guitar hero band. Yep. I didn't even know they had an audience outside guitar hero. Um, and they're the guitar hero band. It's yep. like they were made in a lab to be the top, the hardest level of guitar hero, you know, and it's hilarious stuff. Um, they sure do play fast. Yeah. <laughs> it just, blew my mind when I first, when I first, uh, when I had guitar hero, I was into it. And when that song came on, I was like, what? Though. And then, like, because you see the notes normally, the notes come down like Tetris. Just imagine like Tetris mm-hmm. if you haven't played Guitar Hero, like Tetris, you got to match it. And then all of a sudden, you might have like some notes coming down here. And then Dragon Force, like, like what the? F- what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah you could not news. wing it. They just made the news today. Also, did you see this? Uh, uh-uh, I did not. What? Uh, Lee, I mean, it was uh, if you if you subscribe to Metal Sucks. Axel Rosenberg's uh, a website. He's that Herman uh, had this moment live just recently where he tossed his guitar in this great dramatic moment. You know, he tosses his guitar to his guitar tech, and the guitar tech tosses one back. And he keeps playing, you know, and uh, he tosses it to the guitar tech, and the guy dropped the guitar. <laughs> oh. oh, yeah, bad day for yeah. guitar tech. You know? No, no, wor- no word as to if he. Oh, you went mute, Eugene. You're talking, we lost your audio. No, can't hear you. Uh, yeah, you, we lost your audio, but he's he's cursing. But the thing, yeah, the thing about Dragon Force, and I thought it was funny, I had no idea that, that Herman Lee was in death metal bands before he was in Dragon Force, which mm. is just hilarious because there's no room in death metal bands for the kind of shit he was trying to do. So I can see why they, why they didn't get it. And I like the whole ethos of, well, they're going to hate us anyway. Let's make them really hate us, you know? And so, you know, but Dragon Force is, I mean, I don't think any, does anybody take Dragon Force seriously? Is it possible to take Dragon Force seriously? I mean, they're kind of fun if that's what you're into. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes, we can hear you now. So what what else did you have to say about Dragon Force? Nothing. The guy who called that interrupted the show is a guy dying from cancer, and I'm going to curse him the fuck out as soon as the show is over. So I don't give a <laughs> fuck if you die from cancer. Stop calling me. <laughs> Mute your phone and just look at the number and call the guy back when it's convenient. You don't have to be ugly to your yeah. dying friend. All right, so next we talk about Nightwish. And this was the band I had the biggest turnaround on because when I first saw them and when I first heard them, I thought this is the most unholy mix of like jefferson or starship and dragon force and this is the worst possible thing that could happen but after listening a little bit more i'm kind of amused and intrigued like it's super operatic chick singer it's definitely power metal but but the thing they left out was the kate bush influence to me Mm -hmm. what this is is kate bush Mm -hmm meets thrash metal or black metal even but with slick super slick production values that's the thing about all the power metal bands was they all have slick production values i mean even man of war or halloween would go for as slick as they could get on really cheap budgets and yet and yet and yet not not a famous you don't have any of the johns brothers like you did with zeppelin not a famous producer out of the bunch it's interesting right well it's not to me it's it's more it's just a super desiccated production style i mean it's super clean you know and not necessarily i I don't think that's necessarily a positive but some of them like blind guardian to me sounded like black metal with better production values and and singing instead of screeching and you know so i was kind of interested by that but 
Um, the thing about Nightwish, though, biggest band to my knowledge to ever come out of Finland, like they had records that did like nine million. And and then he it wraps up the show with this festival culture thing. And I think this is what explains why they did this episode. It's because of these whacking fests that were massive in Europe. I mean, like 85,000 people. And they would sell out in like four days, year after year after year. This lasted all the way up until 2019 when COVID put them on pause. And it's going to be a different era when, when they come back supposedly this year. But these Eurofests, this was a like an institution and this was big business. And so to me, that explains the whole, that's why they did this episode is this was happening in the thick of that era when, when the people are going out to it, these festivals. Americans don't really understand road burn just kicked off to, uh, in the Netherlands. And it's like a Walter whose name unpronounceable Dutch last name has done this thing. And it's huge. We played there th- four years ago. And um, I think we had, what, 8,000 people watching Oxbow, which you need to know is crazy, right? Um, yeah. And yeah. We've, been, we've been trying to play Roadburn for years, and they would, wouldn't have us, and then they finally finally did, you know, and it was a, a pretty phenomenal. And that was not our biggest audience in Europe, man. We played an off festival in Poland in front of, like, 10,000 people. Again, Oxbow, you know. A guy saw us play at Villette Sonique in front of seven, the guy who just called, 7,000 people and then flew to San Francisco and saw us play at a leather bar in the leather bar section of town in front of 30 people and his mind was blown. <laughs> the European festival reality is not, uh, it doesn't, uh, we don't, we don't have any kind of cor- corollary here. Mm. I mean, I mean you kind know, of with Coachella and some of the EDM uh, stuff at Vegas, but it's not uh, the same. It's not these week-long campouts. And not no, corporate. No. Yeah, Correct. Well, even though corporations are buying in, they're not controlling it. At this point, Lollapalooza is not at all what Perry had intended it to be. And Coachella, same thing. It was like Nat, you know, the guys from Golden Voice, who were punk rock promoters, hardcore promoters initially, were involved in the early days. And it's that's gone. It's corporations calling the shots. Now. Yeah, I mean, Coachella, I think, has officially jumped yeah. the shark, like like from the, the yeah. feedback I'm seeing on this. But uh, and, and and the Wacken Fest, you not know... Like, like, Southwest too. Mm. Oh yeah, Southwest Southwest jumped the shark when the kid drove over eleven people or whatever it was, and um, you know, and, and the town was just like, "We're sick of this. This is too big." Get I, know. I mean, the town. Yeah, <laughs> there were a lot of cranky you know, old mates. It, it it died for me when Ray Davies was the keynote speaker. It's like, come on. Hey, what's wrong with Ray Davis? I don't know, man. And then, well, I guess I wouldn't have mind. Just Ray really Davis. got him. If the next year, <laughs> if the next year it wasn't some, it wasn't like some high tech valley guy, and then I'm like, I, I see, I see you guys working. If you'd gone Ray Davies and then gone David Bowie, I'd have been cool. But then they went Ray Davies, like Steve Jobs or some shit like that. I'm like, ah, I'm out, I'm out. Yeah, I think Twitter was debuted there the next year. So, yeah. all right. So to sum up, power metal, and I gotta commend you, Eugene. You've overcome your personal bias here because the point of the show is not about personal taste i'm covering yeah. all you know like rod McEwen or whatever that was extremely painful for me to like yeah. actually yeah. listen to rod McEwen records and and you know and everything but i ended up kind of appreciating it and my my goal with all this stuff is to get what is it people like about right. this stuff you know and so with this stuff it's just goofy and fun it's you know I'm not a fan of these it's kind great. of journey style melodies. It, <laughs> Eugene loves it now. 
Much better than cats. Yeah. He'll listen to it again and again, <laughs> again and again. And again. <laughs> yeah. But but to me it's just goofy and fun. And and especially if you get lyric prints. I mean, you know, uh some of the stuff is extremely funny if you enjoy the man of war style post irony laughing at with the bands, you know. And and yeah. So any final thoughts on power metal? Rock on. <laughs> Right past. <laughs> Don't stop, yeah, please. I mean, <laughs> so I guess you won't be buying tickets uh, to Whack and Fest when they when they come back. Whack and Fest. Oh. They do put the whack in Whack and Fest. Yes. The the, the one thing I have, that. I, I, Go ahead. I have to say, the first time I played Roadburn was with this band called Black Sun. And I understood why they had held Oxbow off so long because Walter... Uh, the guy who, the main guy who started it, who was like, you know, the Dutch Perry Farrell, he, he talked about my performance with, uh, he goes, it was just such a wonderful, happy vibe. And then Black Sun with Eugene played, and it was just, it's just a downer. <laughs> <laughs> I, apparently, yeah. I think I, to, I, I sang a song about being brutally raped by a dumpster. And they, you know, everybody there was smoking a lot of weed, but they could hear the words. And then they were like, man, guy, they, I just roached everybody's buzz. And I think that's the difference. I just don't like fun, goofy times. That's it. Yeah. You know, and the one last thing I want to mention that did leave out Europe, the infamous hair metal synth oh, band. I loved they Europe. did play their song. They did. The whole album? Like, or just the single? A couple of songs they had a good Cherokee, dun 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 dun. Oh, marching on the trail of tears. <laughs> I can't believe I've been hanging out with a Europe, a Europe fan for 10 years. But they did have a marching band playing the final countdown by Europe at Wackenfest, which I thought was perfect. The perfect presentation, xylophones and polkas and, and the final countdown. So... Apologies to any power metal fans who tuned in. We've tried very hard to appreciate your stuff. And honestly, I I felt like Blind Guardian was a discovery I was happy to make. I'm going to go back and listen to more Halloween, which I had not uh, paid any attention to. I'll listen to some more Man of War again. And I totally dug going back to my Scorpions and Accept stuff. You know, like I never had the whole yeah. Scorpions catalog. Get that first Alcatraz record too. I, I will. I will add that. I will. I will definitely check that. And also the second one because Steve Vai is as good as Ingve, I think, and more creative. Yeah. And also yeah, yeah, yeah. the Dragon Force guys. One last thing, they played some crazy noises. They didn't just play super fast. They're hitting those whammy bars, and and you know I, I thought they were having some creative stuff. But we'll be back next time to continue our discussion of the Metal Evolution series with the episode on prog metal, which I'm hoping you don't hate as much as you hated new metal. <laughs> Power metal because I prog metal's even harder for me to swallow, much harder probably than than either of those. But after that, we've got extreme metal coming up. So all right, the payoff. Sure. I I can make it. I can make it. Yeah, we can make it through. All right, we'll see y'all next time. Follow the Letter Roll podcast on Twitter at Let It Rollcast. And check out our website at letterrollpodcast.com. Next week, Nate, Eugene, and Alexi return to discuss progressive metal. Let It Roll is a Pantheon podcast, and you can listen to more great podcasts at www.pantheonpodcast.com.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 